Today's show is brought to you by Neighbors Feed and Seed. While other states like Michigan have deemed seed suppliers to be non-essential businesses, that's not the case here in Georgia. And with a lot of us spending more time at home than usual right now, there's no better time to get all of your gardening needs taken care of. And if you're anything like me, then you don't know how to grow a thing in your yard, but you want to learn. Neighbors Feed and Seed has a knowledgeable staff that will give you fantastic advice on how to grow anything. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of. And the best part about it is that they are locally owned by a fantastic group of people. So if you're in the Smyrna area, stop by Neighbors Feed and Seed and say hello. Or check out their website at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. And tell them the Propaganda Report sent you. Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, Trump actually objects to Kemp opening up Georgia. But according to you, he also respects him. Yeah, at first he didn't really reject from what I understand, because the reporting at first was that Trump backs him. He undermines his own staff, his own response team to back the Georgia governor. But now he's 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 walked it back and he says that it's, it's premature, but he respects him. He respects his decision. You're going to let him make the decision. I got a tweet that said, oh, he's just doing this to tweak Democrats and confuse them. I guess it's, you know, 4,692 D chess again. <laughs> Yeah, it's also, it is definitely a way to distance himself from whatever might happen in Georgia if there is a explosion yes, of cases. See, that's the thing. When you cannot trust the numbers at all, when there's, that's why I want the science to say, stop manipulating the numbers because they can just mess with those numbers. That's why I think of like Sweden, maybe, maybe that isn't a setup. If they refuse to manipulate the numbers, themselves, then maybe they will just get away with not having done the lockdown that the rest of us did. Yeah. And they're definitely hitting the still hitting the Georgia and other states that are opening up like hardcore right now. Right now, CNN, the hypocrisy of the open up movement is the headline. Every story they talk about, every interview is about how premature this is, how this is going to perpetuate the second wave and how these dumb Republican voter conservatives liberty-minded people in the South are ruining everything. And when they are so adept at manipulating the numbers, increasing the testing, and this that whole thing about the long-term care facilities finally being added to the death tolls, they can do anything they want with the numbers, especially since they change the rules as they go. And, and now they're talking about like, oh, Ed, the exposure is so much greater than we thought. I mean, it's I think it's because those tests just test for something that some people test positive for without any relationship at all to the to the symptoms. Yeah. If the testing process for the coronavirus could be described with one word, that word would be confusion. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that confuses me. The vast majority of the people who test positive for this thing don't have symptoms and there's such wild inaccuracy that there are massive amounts of false positives and massive amounts of false negatives i i'm wondering if there is any correlation whatsoever between 
the test and the disease. It was just completely uncorrelated. In it which case, what's it be. a test for? I mean, everything I've read about the test is that it's like it's not like a test that figures out what the virus is and sees if you have the virus. And and I mean, that's the whole yeah, thing about so. about my microbe stuff, whatever a disease germ theory is that you have to be able to. This is what it is. It's Koch's postulates. You have to. Everyone with the disease has to have the microbe, and I think the microbe always has to cause the disease. Like Koch's original postulates is, if the microbe sometimes doesn't cause the disease, you cannot say that the microbe causes that disease. Maybe if you're vulnerable or whatever to something, maybe it makes it worse. I don't know. But like that, I believe that was one of Koch's postulates, like the guy who kind of laid down the rules for germ theory, which they won't apply to viruses because it doesn't really work. So I'm just saying if, if people have the symptoms and don't have the virus, which I've witnessed personally, or people have the virus and don't have the symptoms, I think both of those break Koch's postulates. I think that the process for testing with a coronavirus goes like this. I think that it's determined that you are positive and then a test is done. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's why I kind of want to tell them, like, I w- I'm wondering so, still if a positive test is a good thing or not. Like, if you're going to be able to go back to work if you had a positive test or if you're never going to be able to go to work again if you have a positive test. But once I decide, like, whether it's, when it's clear whether it's good or not, I want to go and tell them what I expect the outcome to be. Like, I'm pretty sure I had it, you know, and then they'll probably put it in the bin that is pretty sure she had it. She's you pretty know? sure. We <laughs> trust her. She's a trustworthy person. Then, but I'm just saying, like, I, I wonder if, like, on the margin and they take it out of that bin, they're going to say, oh, it's COVID presumptive because she thinks she had it. Yeah. So the task force sent, Br- sent Dr. Burks to convince Trump to denounce Georgia's reopening an anonymous source says. So he had to be pushed into it, according to the reporting on CNN. And he's going to come out tomorrow and say, nobody did that. Right. Yeah. No, I make my own decisions. I do it myself. But Las Vegas seems to be jealous of Atlanta or of Georgia because the Las Vegas mayor says that they want Las Vegas to be used as a control group that they've had viruses for years and to bring all of the infected people or presumptively infected people to the Las Vegas casinos, open the casinos up and let's see what happens. That's crazy because casinos are kind of grody a little bit because like there's no sunlight and it's super industrial and people sit there for like like a day, you know, like sweating it out on the slot machines and they won't leave that particular slot because whatever your hands sweat, there's like, you know, a lot of empty glasses around. You're drinking. It's pretty skeevy, yeah. And there's like smoking, which dries out your lungs. Yeah, uh, I yeah. mean, if there's one place like dice, you pass the dice around, nobody ever cleans them. I don't care. That's a good it. point. I don't care at all. But yeah, they, it's just, a, I can't imagine a worse environment for that kind of a thing. And it's all HVAC, like, you know, it's all contained climates that require filters and whatever. Like, you're not out in the sun. They close off the window, so you cannot get any sun. And you know how I feel about sun. I think it's good for you. Big fan of sun. I am a big fan of sun. The food is all like that overcooked buffet food. Not all of it. I mean, there's plenty of restaurants, but anyway, that's a crazy, that's looking for trouble. Vegas says, bring it on. But they aren't the cultural war center 
of America like Georgia is right now. So I think mm-hmm. it's probably going to yeah, stay in Georgia. That's true. I remember when I first moved down and they were talking about like, will Hillary win Georgia? And I said, look, if there's a chance Hillary wins Georgia, then the, it's over for Republicans in the world, you know, or, or, you know, like that's it. Yeah. So. And now here we are where Georgia is on the verge of flipping. I can't believe it. I'm interested to see where this goes in Georgia. We are clearly being put up as the model to watch for, to see what happens, yeah. to inform other states, to to be a, a trigger for division. And we have been for so long. When you think of the Ossoff thing, when you think of the Stacey Abrams thing, and what I noticed, what I discovered when I was here, Kasim Reed had just, you know, I was here before he became mayor, I think, but I definitely oversaw a um, election of his. He was really heavily involved in that like sustainable city thing in introducing, um, I don't know, it was like secret IAEA, uh, well, maybe that's the atomic agency, ICLEI, I-C-L-E-I, like zoning, international zoning laws and stuff, which people were not talking about, but that was Kasim Reed. And they, they were on the steering committee of the sustainable city movement long before people really was on their radar. Atlanta's in the, it's like a hundred city program for the smart city. It's yes. in coordination with the United Nations. So we Yeah, are, I think yeah. originally it was 25 cities and we were on the steering committee of that. There's a whole group of highways somewhere. It's, I can't remember what part of the state it is, but that is dedicated specifically to smart technology. It's like a a trial like a run, testing a test, ground, yeah, yeah. A testing ground for the internet of things. People made fun of me because I did a whole show on like this traffic, like this highway law that they were trying to get passed, and I was like, or like this whole body of things where they were going to get like a greenway in the city, and they were going to put the um, trains in and out and everything. And I was like, they're just trying to uh, t-splost. I think it was called. Yeah. They're just trying to implement these smart city rules and you can only imagine what they are installing in the highways and the roads around the country right now while there's hardly anybody on them and trump wants this two trillion dollar infrastructure plan that is about getting rid of all our you know getaway and and here's another thing i was thinking like they they consider traffic to be a big problem so to the extent they care about like things working smoothly, traffic is a problem. So if they make us no longer go to work or school or anything, like that's what traffic is, right? Moving from your home place to your workplace. Now, I think psychologically it's really important to separate that like artificial work and school environment from your like safe space at home. Maybe it's not, maybe this is fine, but this does push everything through surveillance, everything through the computer, like you mentioned, but this could permanently change traffic patterns and then people stop wanting a car, needing a car. And then you get these electric driverless grid cars that, you know, those are not going to be owned by people. More people have been riding bicycles from what I've been Mm -hmm. reading. Oh, really? Yeah. Why, I wonder? Because they're bored and don't have to go so far? I don't know. I guess... Getting some exercise? Yeah, maybe. Because you know, if you don't have to go 30 miles to work, you could probably just ride a bike to the store. Right. San Francisco, see, while Georgia's opening up prematurely, everyone says, San Francisco is taking extra measures to enforce social distancing. They're starting to close their streets so people can't even go on the streets. 
I wondered what the next steps are going to be. Food shortages, electricity, I'm still wondering about water. But like the fact that when this first happened, there have been some upsides to it. One is that everybody's out, or I noticed that everybody's out on the street walking. People are thinking about food independence. They're not going to the doctor so much. I mean, they're spending more time with their kids. Dads are around. It seems to me like there are a lot of upsides that we could used for our advantage. Now, it can't possibly outweigh whatever the downside is because they don't do things for our own good. They do things for the good of the pyramid. But I did read a study, or not a study, an article that talked about how a poll suggested that families were closer than they had been before. Four out of five families. I don't know if that would stay true over the long, if it was a broader study. There might be some people who are starting to get a little bit too tight to each other, too close to each other all the time. And it also said that married couples say that this has been a, a boost for their, their their bedroom life. So hmm. maybe that's a positive for a lot of I people. I don't know. I, I believe that that is, I think there's, I think there are a lot of pros and cons or like two sides of a lot of these stories. One is like, are you, I think a lot of people don't spend enough time together. So I would not necessarily think the divorce rate would go up. I think it would be more likely to go down and hopefully people are helping out around the house in a way they would not otherwise because they're contributing so much more to the problem, you know, to the garbage and stuff. And, um, but living in closed quarters, everybody's on top of each other. I'm not sure people ha- have enough privacy even in their own bedrooms under these circumstances. That's I what mean, I was wondering. Nobody yeah. is ever out of the house. <laughs> you know, right. nobody. Yeah. I mean, people are going for walks, but you can't like, nobody's like disappearing for four hours at a time. Yeah. So we were talking about education a second ago and working and schooling from home. A Harvard professor recently released a study where she is calling for homeschooling to either be banned or to be regulated. She says it's dangerous for parents to educate their children because it would give them full authoritarian control over everything that their child knows about the world. And she has a really interesting quote towards the end of the study where she says, Many homeschool because they want to isolate their children from ideas and values central to our democracy, determined to keep their children from exposure to views that might enable autonomous choice about their future lives. She then, there, she then called for a radical transformation in the homeschooling regime and a related rethinking of child rights and recommends a presumptive ban on homeschooling with a burden on the parents to demonstrate justification for permission to be homeschooled. I got a lot to say about that. First of all, I've been wondering why they even permit homeschooling. Like in Germany, I don't even think it's allowed. Like, I mean, look, let's let's be realistic. We accept our diktats, you know. Um, vaccinations have been driving people to homeschooling. But right now, the... Um, Right now, of course, people are all kind of moving in the direction of homeschooling, so I don't think she's going to stop that. Or I should say, we've all seen how possible it is. Now, maybe maybe when the kids' teachers stop broadcasting the classes on the internet, you know, you'll really be at a loss and won't be able to adapt. I don't know. But what she's saying is the exact, you know, opposite of the truth in a couple of different ways. One is, it's the government schools that have, I mean, they are disconnected from the goal of learning completely. There is no, because I have kids in private schools, 
I've been in all sorts of schools, parochial school, like Catholic school. I've sent my kids um, private schools, like what are called independent schools and public schools. And I have seen the massive issues. Like public schools absolutely are not about teaching the kids. If you get real close to actually teaching the kids and raising the standard, that kid is either in some like super ultra elite program in the school or it's it, it causes problems. Like you just, you're, you, so I go to my one kid's school pageant and they're like singing in a choir. And I go to my public school kids pageant and they're playing Michael Jackson and dancing with a glove on. So like they're not actually doing anything. And there's this like, you know, accused child molester who's their idol. And it just like, it was so obvious to me. But the thing that struck me the most was when I took my kids out of a really, really small, very conservative Catholic school, they they went to regular, like, independent private schools after that. And their th- thinking, ha- it, the one was went to a kind of a liberal school, went to a conservative school, conservative-ish. The liberal school was completely intolerant of any, any kind of thinking, any kind of, like, interaction on, like, there were thoughts and arguments that were simply not permitted. Imagine that. And then the other one, which was like a private school, but had like more Republicans in it, I guess. They were, you know, you could joke about a PC or whatever. You could actually make a joke. Whereas the Catholic school, which people always think of, like they're trying to brainwash you there, whatever. They are not, their truth is not fragile. So they welcomed, they actually had courses in apologetics. Like they welcomed debate and resistance because... They would use it as an opportunity. Like I used to like trolls when I got calls on the terrestrial radio yeah. show. I like they would call it and be like, oh, this is great. Now we can demonstrate to everyone that you're wrong, <laughs> you know, and you only do that when you're completely confident in your truth, yeah. which I was. And that's how they were. So like for me, it's the private school and this and a good friend of the show gave me the, which I didn't understand, didn't know this before, but he told me there's three kinds of like parenting permissive authoritarian and authoritative and permissive is bad like you just like i'm your best friend let's get high together <laughs> authoritarian is like you do what i say because i said so and this is what you had to think but then there's authoritative which is this is how we do things this is why there are rewards and punishments for this stuff blah blah, blah. and i'll tell you if you get one of those homeschooling books it's about critical thinking it's about the trivium which is the first section is grammar which is like learning stuff the second section is logic which is about critical thinking and the third section is about rhetoric the art of persuasion they teach you all this stuff they teach you the classics of how to think which i know you're familiar with that is not even an option in public school so i disagree with her 100 percent, and i would say she's going to win except for they seem to be wanting to push us into this um fiber optic pipe with all of our thoughts and words. So I'm not sure she is going to win. See, that's crazy. You haven't even seen any episodes of Westworld season three yet. You just said something that sums up an aspect, a very central aspect of season three of Westworld. I said during the virtual party I'm not going to see it probably day, for a long time, if ever. So I will tolerate m- moderated spoilers if you want. Well, the premise of the season is that predictions about everybody's future is mapped out by this guy this company who has a guy's rich and powerful and he created a big device that holds everybody's data 
everybody's information, kind of like Facebook, and it foretells the future of everyone like a computer. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, go ahead. You can finish. No, that, that's, I, that's the central oh, This is the of, thing. This is what I thought when I was a kid. I remember saying this. If all of the, if the position of every atom in the universe and all the laws of math and physics were known, could you predict the future? And I just did not know that, you know, my mathy self kind of said, yeah, you could. But then quantum mechanics came along, which is the observer effects, the observed chaos theory, whatever, which proves the importance of free will. So you actually, that's necessary to have free will. Like there's so many little scientific truths that point to the like kind of metaphysical truths that you learn from, you know, higher level kind of religion, historical. And then I further read a biography of Albert Einstein by the Aspen Institute guy who writes Walter Isaacson. He is absolutely deep state one worlder, but he makes good bio. So he, this Albert Einstein bio, Albert Einstein refused to ever countenance quantum physics. He said it was absolutely had to be wrong because he went by this so backwards, so many things about what he did was backwards. He said he doesn't believe in free will. He's a fatalist that you have fate. So he didn't believe in free will. And he said quantum mechanics would imply that you actually have free will and you don't. Can you imagine taking your prejudice and applying it backwards to denying a scientific, I mean, I don't know if it's, it's quantum theory. It, it so implies it's not, that it's you not have free truth. will and that you don't? He was saying he didn't, he, I don't know if he went to his grave rejecting quantum theory. Okay. But when it first emerged, he said, I won't even think about that. Because if quantum theory is true, if chaos theory is true, if the observer objects to the observer, or if you cannot predict the motion of atomic or subatomic particles through objective laws, then we we have no control. There is no known future, and I don't believe that. So and he sees it. it as being as confirming his theory. He said quantum theory rejects his belief about the world. His belief about the world okay. is that we have a fate, that yeah. we are are uh, slaves to the iron chains of fate yeah. or whatever. And I don't think so. And you can't think so if you believe in like God or that kind of thing, because God requires that you have free will and reason and stuff. And if you were fated to one choice or another, and then, you know, you could make the further argument that you're fated to one choice or another because that's how you're wired and like your free will choices are part of that. But I mean, you can, I'm sure you can keep digging down. It's just this idea of, uh, of being able to tell the future. I, I think even science would say you can't a person's future. Yeah. I would say that our free will choices are the choice to overcome the embedded behavioral patterns that we have since we were young, that they become automatic. And it's tougher to choose that because you have to build up the other patterns to to counter those. And you have to think of it as a choice. Yeah. That's the very first step. That's right. That's exactly right. That's interesting. Part of the plot device in Westworld 3 are the outliers that the system somehow can't always predict. So it's nice. a good season so far. The number one tennis player in the world Novak Devokic. I'm sure I said that wrong. His anti-vaccination stance may stop his return to the tennis court. 
He says that personally, he is opposed to vaccinations. And the COVID-19 vaccination, according to this article, is seen as crucial to a return to the sport of Djokovic. tennis. It's Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic. That's his name. Yeah. Um, he said, they said it's, they said what? Say it again. This article says that COVID-19 vaccinations are seen as crucial for a return to the sport of tennis, but the number one player in the world says personally he is opposed to vaccinations. Okay, so why, I mean, I cannot actually think of a sport that you're far away from each other yeah that you are not permitted to get within six feet of each other basically i guess the tennis ball has gonna carry some covid on it i mean you'd both have to be up to the net in which case the ball you know what i mean the ball that'll never happen play in a mask wear a gas mask when you play or as my son would like to wear his his animatronic werewolf mask (laughs) that could be an intimidation factor Fantastic. Everybody's going to look like Masked Singer. Yeah. You know I want to get... I got many, many, like hundreds of likes on my call to make me a personalized face mask, which I found out you can. I, of course, I went to Zazzle, and I just want my mask to say, this is bullshit. There you go. Just because I just want everyone Some to know I'm wearing this PG-13 mask because you're afraid, not because I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. So this the thing with the tennis player. Oh my gosh, you're right. I would get arrested for that. Possibly, like right? They would say demolition it was man. If we could continue that theme, but this tennis player, this is this is foreshadowing what we might see when we've talked about this. Whether you're not, whether or not you're able to go back to work fully when this is over, yeah, might be determined on whether or not you have this vaccination, this stamp of approval that allows you to participate in society. Absolutely, and this guy. He's he's at the center of attention. They can tailor make a an option for him, but for the rest of us slobs, and and now you'll have twenty percent unemployment. You're not going to get to choose. You need labor shortages if you want to choose how to live. Yeah, and it makes me go back to Albert J. Nock, who said, "We will always have these problems with the state as long as people think a job is something to be given." And that to me, it, it. it reminds me of like the interview we just did with Greg Carl at the higher side chats where like you have to get your mind out of that thinking and what do you really need? You need food and water, like figure it out. You don't need a job, a job you do not need, but yeah. you do need land, which is why the number one thing, the number one UN plot before agenda 2030, before agenda 21 was habitat two and habitat one. And in habitat one, it said, People should not be allowed to own land. Well, And to me, that's the way you control people because our only hope, I mean, as long as you can grow enough potatoes for yourself, then that's you're, you are not a victim. And the thing about getting a job, the way they set the frame, the way that people think about it is they've created a society of people who think about getting a job as oh no, I have to meet the boxes to check off that other people, the very generic boxes, I have to check off all of these boxes if I'm going to be employable. Instead of thinking, what can I do to help the other person get what they want or what value can I offer, can I create for them? It creates a dehabilitating mindset. I have a couple of headlines to hit that I don't want to forget about. One... Did you hear about the Sentinel surveillance? Sentinel surveillance? I've heard the term. 
So this is how they want to fight the disease or see if there's a resurgence. The way it works is it's not just like generalized surveillance or taking stats like a broad net. They, they identify sites that will be ground zero for information. Okay. The so infodemic. they're going to see, yeah. So if they're going to see if there's a resurgence in the disease, what the infection rates are, what the fatality rates are, they're not going to just like do broad sampling. They're going to predetermine the hospitals and locations that are going to provide this data. And for me, like the most important thing about statistics are randomization, double blind, and controls. So this takes out double blind, it takes out randomization, and I don't know what the control group would be if they have a control group. They probably don't. So that makes me worried. And the White House is leading the charge yeah. on sentinel surveillance. To that, New York launches antibody testing for 3,000 people randomly selected at grocery stores to get a snapshot of how much of the population had COVID-19. It's like 20%, right? Or 15%? I don't know. I think they did say that. That And for me, I, I, I've been saying all along, like my hunch is like 20% of the people... Well, that's an antibody test. I don't know about that. But the like, random selection of it. I want to know if it's required. What if you say no? That is a big problem with random selection is that it, it always ends up being self-selection because yeah. you have to get the consent of the random of the sample. Probed. It's a person. Yeah. Yes, of the probe. So the other thing, did I mention this about, I think I just mentioned it earlier, not on the show, that Bill Gates said that this will be a unique moment in in human history in that it will be the quickest we've ever come from identifying a disease, which I'm still skeptical of its existence, and immunizing against it. So he is suggesting a rapid, basically population level rollout. That's certainly what it said in the event to a one thing, population level supplies of experimental vaccines with uh, ways to deal with legal liability and regulatory barriers. This coupled with the fact that, like I say, we were just talking to Greg Carl of High Side Chats and his, he was, he does a lot of work on this. And one of the things that came out on his show from yesterday with Dell Bigtree was that they they are trying to when they give people this coronavirus vaccine and i think it applies to other vaccines too it can in some cases or in many cases create this hyper immune response mm -hmm. which sounds good but it's not because what happens is then they become really really susceptible to related illnesses so like you wouldn't get sick maybe that's why people get the flu vaccine get really sick it's not that they're giving them the live flu, it could be that they're making them susceptible to other flus. I don't, I just was, became aware of this in the last 24 hours, but that makes me nervous. And then the other thing is I've been wondering for a while, like Shiva and other people are talking about the adjuvants and vaccines. It's finally hitting the mainstream that it is messed up to give people aluminum and mercury and stuff. I always wondered why there would be mercury in vaccines. Why would it be? It has to be there or aluminum, something heavy metal has to be there to like explode your immune system. And I feel like it's going to get bad press and they're going to usher in this gene editing thing. And gene editing 
I mean, I don't know if they can make it so it doesn't affect your offspring, if it doesn't get into all of your genes. I was wondering or how that works. That. Yeah, does it change the genome of the human race? I and think, is that, it's, I think is it that is the purpose? And how does it affect your ability to reproduce? Yeah, from what I understand about gene editing, and this is a very simplistic understanding, it's it's like copy and paste. You cut out the one, the segment you want to change, and then you paste in the new DNA, and then that populates around your body and becomes a part of you. And I'm just wondering how that works if you haven't had your children yet. I don't, you know, is it get to gametes? Maybe we're entering the era of superpowers. Well... Well, actually, they did. They have already talked about that using uh, mitochondrial editing for like super soldier and stuff. I've heard that. But the maybe if they sterilize everyone, then you have to like use IVF. You have to use an external, you know, if they get it so where nobody can reproduce, they don't have to let the human race die out. They can then just make sure everybody's incubated in a petri dish. They can control it. Maybe that maybe that'll be a new new thing for Peachtree Petri City to Petri City. <laughs> the the Petri CDC State. can organize it. <laughs> Atlanta's perfect. We're totally changing the Peachtree State to the Welcome Petri to Petri City. Petri City. <laughs> the Petri State. All right. Well let's get more into our deep thoughts in the patron fifteen coming Definitely. up. Definitely. I have a follow up on how the social distancing has been working out at the Taiwan baseball games where the oh. robots were in the in the crowd. I have an interesting follow up oh, to cool. that story along with a few other interesting stories. And I got a little bit bitch slapped on Twitter for not stating not asserting my rights in the right language. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. Yeah, I don't usually get schooled on how to articulate my rights. <laughs> You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra 15 minutes that we publish every day that we publish a Drive Time News Blast, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. And for five bucks a month, less than 15 cents a day, or any amount we will accept to help us continue to produce the show, you can get access to that content as well as the virtual parties that we do twice a month. We will talk to you guys later.